You can open up your Bibles to Genesis 1. Oh, boy, there you go. So, but before, as you're doing that, I just want to say I love this time of year. I hope you're enjoying it. Take a moment and enjoy it. You know, the very foundation of it is God with us. And one of the things in my life is I'm always trying to be present, you know, and being present in the moment means you can't have your mind in the past or in the future, which, gosh, with all the things that are coming at us these days, you can be somewhere but not really be there. Isn't that true? And so let's try and be in the moment. Put that phone down every once in a while and breathe, okay? Take a look around and see what God has given us and given you. And not just the things in life and nature and our homes and all the substance that he gives us, but those who are in our lives, those that we really care about, those that we struggle with, they're all part of this wonderful dance with God. Would you agree with me? Would you agree with me? <laughs> it's worth it, and he's worth it. And he can make it so much more valuable if you just take a moment and breathe. Be in the present. Come on, turn to somebody and say, be in the present. Come on, so he's with us. Father, we ask you to bless this word, and thank you so much already for the worship. You have honed our hearts back into who you are, how you are. Your kingdom is real, more real than the chair we sit on, more real than the rug beneath our feet, more real than all that we can see the reality of your kingdom, your rule, your love in our hearts brings us to life. May this word change us. May we become it in Jesus' name. Amen? Well, I hope I get through this all right with you guys, but I thought I'd start with this two iconic scriptures that we all know so very well. And uh, I love the theme, and, and it seems like such an old theme, but the light of the world. I thought it was Brilliant, <laughs> but I thought, <laughs> I'm starting to sound like Travis on Wednesday night, so. but I thought it was so, just so good. This story, this true story never loses its touch in our lives, and every time we reread re it and reread it, it comes alive again, and one of the things I love about the Chosen series, if you're watching it, it brings us into the reality of what really happened and sets aside all the fluff, I think, and the more we identify with it, the more we become it becomes real to us. How many agree? That God came into our lives. So, now if you can do that, set aside all the kind of, the, and I love the merrymaking. I love all the songs, but the hymns, the worship, the, the reality of what God has done and is doing, continue to do, it really enters into our life. And I pray there's an illumination, our revealing that happens as a result. So we know this story as it all begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come on. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Wow. God saw the light, and it was good. Oh, yes, it was. And God divided the light from the darkness. So if you skip on about 4,000 years, you can roll up to, Matt, to, uh, to John. Move to John 1. Let's go there. Okay, John, I hear those things turning, those pages turning. Here's another in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through him, and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Wow, what two beautiful and iconic scriptures that talk about the light, and as we separate all the fluff of the season, which is so great, and the jingle bells, and all the stories, but... This, what I'd like to talk about this morning is really, just for a moment, the chaos and the darkness. Both darkness, the darkness was on the earth and covered the earth, 
and that darkness was there in, in, in John. And I studied these words, these two words, and there's slight differences in them, even though the, in the heart of it, it's, it's the same. But that darkness, the first one, that the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth, the darkness there is chaotic. It's a wrenching. It's a miserableness. There's an evil in it. And I can't tell, you know, and, and I'm not a huge Bible scholar, but how the world was. Was it just a physical world being formed? It was a world that was in chaos. Was there a world before this moment that God stepped in and God refreshed this whole world and stepped in with light? But in this, that chaos, that, the, 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 the misery, the, the, uh, the, the separatedness, that's what, it was, it was without form and, without, and void. And there was a darkness, a certain suffering that was in that. That's actually what the translation means. The second one is almost like a darkness in the beginning uh, was the word and the word was God, and then the light shined in the darkness. The darkness means almost uh, obscurity. The word there means like a loneness, like a separatedness. How different, yet a slight change, but how different in both that they were. And if you allow me a little bit of latitude and imagination, it just seems like in this, this is kind of the, the pattern of the story in our lives that that God, in both situations, shaft of life comes in and everything changes as that darkness is brewing and, and, and just like a cancer that it's just taking everything in and destroying it. That darkness, that aloneness, that, is, that coldness, that part that is hopeless, it is just like a, a, almost like a, a, a black hole, just, just everything going into it. And in each one of us, this shaft of life comes in. And God in himself brings to light, now beautifully said by Travis on tonight, texture and properties. And now I'm seeing what's there. I'm perceiving now. And then the one becoming God divided the light from the darkness, there's an order that begins to happen to the world right there. Wow. In the same way, the second one, there's an order that begins to, men saw the light for the first time. They may be renewed to purpose. And we're going to unpack this a little bit, but it's just powerful that the two worlds exist. And it's really in the very foundation of our lives that God is attending to in this, in both situations. In the first one is he sets light in, then he also sets creativity and power. And he sets into the world the rhythms that are there, seed time and harvest, seasons in our lives, the night and the day, the months and the years, these things are patterns, and then everything that was made, it says in John, referring back to Genesis, everything that was made was made through him. So all that we see in us, if you walk out into the world and you stay enough time outside, there's going to be a reflection of the word or who Jesus is in the world. It says in Scripture that men are without excuse, even if they've never heard the gospel, that the very nature resounds with who he is. That means everything that was made speaks of who Christ is, speaks of who God is. And even though we live in a defiled world, a broken world, and we do that, and that's absolutely true, that's why it came. But everything in this setting was to remind us of who God is and who we are there for. How am I doing? That's powerful. It's almost, if you could say, if I could say it this way, God set up a system that we could learn to grow into strength from in Genesis. Like, if you are broken, Adam and Eve. You have done something that has separated you from me, but I'm going to provide a system and have before you even, I made you in it that is going to remind you and bring you to strength if you look and see it. The beginning of it was light. 
But men forget, don't they? Don't we all? I love Christmas because every 12 months I need a reminder of this fantastic miracle. By the time I get to October and the leaves are starting to fall and change, and inside I need a reminder. It's been a long year. It's been a lot going on. God, you're really good. I'm going to start thinking about how good you are. But something in your soul needs a new reminder. And man, that 12 months, and I finally get back to Christmas. And man, the miracle of the simplicity of the refresh and the start. How God came into our lives. God invaded my life. Then I'm reminded again how I got saved, how he ruined my perfect life and made it even better. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> that I didn't even know what I didn't know and he helped me know it. Gosh. The second darkness, the, the loneliness, the, it seems as if for 4,000 years, men had the opportunity to learn what they could from the world, but they didn't. And they get the promises and their, their hope is being slowly distinguished, or distinguished, extinguished, distinguished, <laughs> extinguished. And it's getting, the light is getting darker and darker. And God steps into that aloneness where there's forgotten promises Come on. And men are hungry and desperate. For 400 years, not a word from God. That doesn't mean he was less powerful, less full of life, less full of energy, less full of truth, less full of promise. But for 400 years, they haven't heard an official word. And into that, the shaft of life, the birth of a son, the announcement of the angels, how fantastic. Let your imagination run and be wild with thinking about it. Why not? What limits should we have on how we think about this? We should have none. But what I want to bring to you this morning, and not to be a downer, but antagonism or the war or the fight is the open fact of life. Think about that. We're birthed into a war. We were watching the Army-Navy game yesterday, and one of the things they said, and I thought was very interesting, is you have to give these cadets and midshipmen credit because they signed up for military service in a, in a war season. Not when it was peaceful, and we could make it a good system and a good career, but we, set, we signed up to fight. Uh, this means a lot in our family because we've lived through this, and we've lived through this, live through this. Our son did see combat, and we did have to release him and trust him with the Lord, and we had to be a place where we weren't going to be in fear, knowing that God loves him more than us. But how many young men and women did I see hug their families in stoned in parking lots, get on buses and board planes, and, and go to fight? They signed up for it. Antagonism is the open fact of life. There is a war. The very physical being that you have in the physical fight against you, you gain strength by having enough, because everything in the world is meant to kill us, but as we, serve, as we mount a fight back against it, in vitality and energy, we actually become stronger because of the things that come against us physically. What doesn't kill you will bring you life. How's that? This is a statement, all right? And that's a fact of life. The other part is even mentally. 
We strive to make our way through things and navigate and understand. And as a result of that is the thought that comes into our life. We're able to think. But morally, the same is true that all the things that come to take away or defile us or compromise us or make us less than who we really are, we have to choose the moral high ground, trusting God and his value system and principles to overcome those things. Morality is not by default. You just don't become moral. You have to choose the moral high ground. And in that, you become clearer. Your thoughts, your hearts, your life becomes stronger. And the real world of God and his kingdom becomes more evident as we do. In every thought, in every particular, in each, every one of us have a different journey and every one of us are tested or tempted in different ways from the enemy. And when you stand in morality, stand choosing the right ground, less of you and more of him and love for others, then you gain that moral ground in that particular. And we're never finished doing this, never. Because the war is always on. Like I shared the last time I said, compromise demands an increase. It will never give up. There's never going to be a day where if you get up and it's going to be, we're just going to give you a pass on, on being righteous today. No, you step into that righteousness, wearing it like, a, like clothing or robes in your heart. You make it such a practice, it becomes part of you, and then you walk in that morality and freedom, and then there's always still other things to still put that clothing on. You're going crazy inside, right? Man. First Peter talks a bit like, it says like this. In this you rejoice, you greatly rejoice, and though now for a little while, if need be, you have grieved by some, you're grieved by some various tribal, trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by a fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory the revelation of Jesus Christ. This struggle, this, this every day stepping into, I will follow the Lord. I choose him is a magnificent way. It's our way of life. And it says here, the prophets search for it. It says, go on and to say that in verses 10 and verse 12, angels desired to look into it. What, John, you mean the struggle I have every day to talk well to my wife, to trust God and believe him, to draw close to him? Absolutely yes and true. Why? Because for the angels, it's a done deal. They stand in the presence of God. They know who he is and they're sure of it. There's no other choice. It's so overwhelming where they are. But where we are, there's this world that is broken and defiled and it comes to push and snuff and pull out and your choice to stand and say, God, I remember I love you. I remember you have a way that's not my way and I remember the cross. I'm gonna die to myself and live to you. And the moment you do, you become really who you really are. That's what they look into. How did they do that? How did Brian make that decision? They watch and they learn. They learn. Isn't it fascinating that they send, God sent angels to tell men about this? And in this, men accepted or rejected this. Two people I want to I share with you, just highlight them. And, and Chani did a clever job of the last week with Zechariah. But Joseph and Zechariah, both 118, Matthew 118 and Luke 118. Isn't that interesting? It's my little prophetic issue, but anyway, so. But here's Joseph standing, you know, in such expectation. I mean, he has been betrothed to Mary, and 
You know, you can say a lot of things, whether it was, you know, it was, uh, what do you call it, a sign marriage or whatever it was, but, but let's just let our imagination have some leeway here. Maybe he's 25, somewhere between 20 and 30, she's 15 or 16, you know, but she is Mary, so she's got to be pretty decent, okay? Let's just talk about it that way. Whether there's this beautiful, maybe she's not beautiful, but maybe she, but she has to be a beautiful, I just imagine she's beautiful. And on the inside and the outside, she's beautiful. And there's something about being around her that is simple but profound, and she, he's fallen for her, and you know, maybe they lived in the village together, and maybe he's kept his eye on her, and maybe she's kind of come to blossom, and it's just like unbelievable that he's got her. Like, it's kind of like Travis, we were teasing him tonight, he scored Leanna, Leanna Lehman. Like, really, Travis? <laughs> Good job, Travis. You know, like, because Leanne is just amazing. Like, when he, I remember him, they kept together. I was like, bud, you just got the brass ring. You won. So, and we believe that from so many of our staff members. Guys, we definitely know this is true. So, but anyway, here is Joseph, and he's like, wow, he's in that year of betrothal. They're, they're assigned to each other. I mean, they're actually covenanted with each other. So much more powerful than a contract. They're covenant. And so in this, he's preparing his life. And I know you know the story, but it's still good to talk about it again. He's building a home. He's setting things aside. They're starting a life. It's a little town, but it's, he's excited about it. And into this whole thing, unbelievably, she's found with child. Like, there's only one deduction if she's found with child. I mean, come on, people. Arrest your reality mind and take a look at this. We know the story. We know the end of the story. But if you're not in the end of the story, you're like, this is ruined. Like, I, I, we just watched West Side Story, the, the tragedy of, of love did not brought to fruition and almost, but so deeply felt. You know, and you're almost crying at the end of the movie. This is a movie that you'd be crying at in the middle of the, 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 the village. Like, Joseph's such a good guy. He is just, when the Bible says you're just, it's like saying, you're just, 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 all the way through. You know what I mean? It's like, dude, this guy is good to be around. He's a good hang. He's a good work person beside. He's like really great. Like, I'm glad he's in our village. I'm glad he's in my family. I'm glad he's my friend. And you're so happy for Mary and Mary. What? Wait, what? What? Did somebody come by? Did, did you get accosted on the side of the road? Did, did you in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or did you just give yourself into something you should? It's so foreign to you. You have to see the ruin of his life in this, the ruin of his plans in this. His eyes are wide open, but the world is swirling in front of him. And he's seeing the evil and darkness, and he's accusatory and blaming. He has no, his hands are ringing because he doesn't know what to do. Kind of like the earth is without form and void, and it's chaotic. It's so crazy in our lives that we can be so chaotic and yet our eyes are wide open and the world is spinning around us. We have our plans and they're ruined because the way life happens and circumstances come into us. It's like, man, I just wasn't expecting this. Some we make by our own bad choices and mistakes, but some, so much of life comes at us and we're not prepared. This is not what I wanted. And so it is the case with, with Joseph. It's not what he wanted. <laughs> I guess we could make the best of it, or I don't know. I don't know what to do. Well, let's, let's do this quietly. Let's not make a big thing out of her. Let's just do this. He's ruined. He loves her. 
He loves her, and rightly so. The truth is that we know she hasn't done anything wrong. She's done everything right. Everything. And he hasn't done anything wrong. He's done everything right. But it's still messed up, isn't it? Oh, we know the angel comes and visits him. It's amazing. He tells him that, that which is born of, of, that is happening in Mary, it's of the Holy Spirit. Well, that is a great, and one of my very favorite thoughts of this holiday season is when Mary and Joseph see each other for the first time after taking into their very souls this knowledge, and he joins her in this amazing joy of what God has done among them, the two people in all the world that know this. Now, I think God is like this. Maybe they're intercessors someplace, and they knew this was happening, because God just doesn't do anything just singularly like that. But, but for them, them, this joy and this truth inside them it had to be one of the most magnificent reunions. I understand, Mary. You do. Yeah, let me, let me tell you, you know. And just the sharing of their stories and the closeness and the presence of God among them had to be so refreshing, so restorative from just a few days ago when it was so destroyed. But still, they had to walk through the ruin of their plans. We were going to do this. We were going to do that. But now we have to live with this. I, I know, I know. It, when I'm with God, it seems so no issues. But when I'm in the village and working, it seems like a hassle. Isn't it weird how you have these two things in life? I'm completely content with you, God. But then, God, I'm hungry for you and I need you. I know what you said here. I'm totally persuaded about it. But I'm so tested and tempted here. Why do we live this conflict? Because that's the thing the angels look into. This is the whole story. Where will you choose faith? Will you choose not denial, not denial, not watching things over and not looking at the real, but looking at the real situation, the real chaos, the real craziness, and still choosing the right path in the middle of it. That's what takes true intensity inside your heart, true morality, true faith, true love that doesn't look at what's the, that doesn't, is not dissuaded at what's there, but chooses rightly through it. Come on. How many of you in this room had plans and had them ruined in your life? Come on, everybody put your both hands and your feet up. It's like, get a grip. Ruined, like this is not the marriage I thought it would be. This is not the workplace, I thought the work I'd think I'd be doing. It's so fun and, you know, it's such... A young guy, I think so much with this antagonism in our life, this war, and when you're young, you fight it. Even you're frustrated with the frustration of it. Does that make sense? But as you get older, I think somewhere, not, give me some space, guys over 50, it's like, no, this is the way life is. I'm just going to attend to it. I'm stopped being frustrated about it, but I will fight it. Something helps with that. Some of you older people, we need to tell the younger people, hey, it's we don't want you to accept the injustice, just accept the fight. That, that relieves about 40% of your emotional disturbances. Is that right? <laughs> wow. Then you have Zachariah, which I do not give Zachariah a bad rap. I don't. Why? Because Zechariah is advanced in years, and what he was promised he knew what God gave to him has not come to fruition. It's not happened. His response is indicative 
of the condition of his heart. It says in scripture that he and his wife Elizabeth were blameless in a sense of they attended to the righteousness of God in their life, not only the conduct of their life and the way they live, but also their vocation. He is a priest before God and he offers up incense and he does all these priestly duties. And you just have to step back and say, Zechariah, like a young man, as you entered the kingdom, you believed in the kingdom, you believed in God. You, you, you knew you had a part in it, and rightly so. You knew you would have a son. You believed God would give you children, and it hasn't happened. And somewhere in the middle of that, that promise, even though it's real and he believed it, he maybe had set it aside for maybe another time. You know, or it's just not going to happen. In, in the data of the world, the oldest person ever giving birth is 70 years old. So if we place Zachariah at 70 and even his wife at 60, it seems pretty hopeless. In fact, it has become hopeless. Because even the angel said, all things are possible with God. That means it seemed impossible. The loss. You know, there's something about a promise from God that you know it's real, and there's so many times in life to let go of it, the opportunity to, you know, it's just not going to work out. But it's okay, God. I mean, I, I know you love me, and I love the blessings you've poured into my life, but I, I know that's not going to happen. And it leaves a void or an aloneness or an obs- that, that, that promise ends up in an obscurity. It could be the waywardness of a child or the break in a relationship with someone or the dashed hopes of a vocation and successful career. I don't know what it is with any one of us, but there are real hopes, not only for our lives, but for those around us. And when they don't happen, it's really, really hard. And sometimes it's a little easier just to let it go and be happy, you know? Kind of like a subtle dying in faith. It's all right. It's okay. It's really good. I'm good. But somehow you get still, your faith isn't as vital or revitalized. You're still being very faithful and dutiful, but it's just, all right. You can see it because when the angel visits him, he says, how do I know this is true? Because honestly, sometimes something like that, if you touch it, it brings an anger to it, like, that's enough. That didn't happen. Don't bring it up. It hurts you or you become quiet. But he, in this moment, was, I don't know, and that, that promise that he knew he'd have a son, that he and Elizabeth, that promise is in the life, and it was true that God gave it to him. Isn't that amazing? It's true. This son would be a proclaimer. He would be a worship leader. He would be a, a speaker. He would, he would bring men to God. And he knew that was in his heart. He knew it was real. He let it go. And it's so painful that when he brought it up, he was mad at the angel. His darkness was greater than the light that was in front of him. Isn't it funny that it says the darkness, the light shined, but the darkness didn't comprehend it. Oh, man, come on. That's a sentence for our lives. What darkness in you can't comprehend God at times? God, I don't believe you in this area. I don't understand because it doesn't work that way. Everything in my life says that doesn't work. So the darkness in me, now then there's, there's light in different parts. That darkness says, I can't understand this. I can't. Come on. 
But God keeps shining, doesn't he? Just keeps his light on it. It's like, man, making me so mad and making me so happy at the same time. I, I dare to believe. I, is this true? Is it even possible? It's so late all these years. Do you see the difference between the two? One is chaos and promise and the hope that's within us. And, and, and it's so chaotic, you can't even navigate your way through it. It's like you almost have to take one step at a time in order to get through it. There's Joseph. And then you have, you have this response. You have this Zachariah who's like so alone and so that part of his heart is so lost that he challenges the angel. And in his mercy, he says, I want to make you so you can't talk about this for you. And then actually it says they're making signs to him in, the, in, the, in verse 59 of chapter 1, Luke. It says they're making signs. So it's a possibility he could have been deaf and dumb. Do you know that? And so that means he was not sentenced, but he was set aside in seclusion to remember the word. The only thing he could hear is the last words of the angel. You will have a, I, we have heard your prayers and you will have a son. Isn't that amazing? So that's all he could rehearse. Then in those moments of quietness and still attending to, because she, Elizabeth did get pregnant, so he was busy at home in a good way. Is that okay to say that? Like, it wasn't like he was, like, shocked and he did nothing. He became revitalized in those falling months. Listening to, rehearsing, God, you, this moment, like that light just never stops shining on that promise that he had. And in that, he comes back to life. Oh, could I believe in the very power of it, revitalizing his physical being, bringing strength and life to him, that he could be with no Elizabeth and they would have a child. What a grace. Isn't it great? God sometimes says, he just comes to us and we should just be quiet and remember that. Remember what he promised. Wow. These two parts exist in both of us. The busyness of life, the craziness of how things happen, the how can I navigate through this chaos? How many, come on. This even this season just gets like so crazy. Thank God for the internet. You can order online instead of go to stores. Like I me, mean, it's become a saving thing. I don't know. That's my problem. So, but for isn't it amazing how the world is? For all the information that we have flooding us, we have learned very little. You could get a lot of information, but learning is application. The nuances of when to speak, when not to speak. The power of listening and tone, and hearing a heart. The relationship, the power of relationship is lost in the information that we have. The world is deficient. If it could, if it could reduce your, your intimacy with God to a half hour of worship once a week, then it's much more efficient. If, if it could reduce the love of another human being, a husband and wife, to a, an act of sex, then it's much more efficient. You know, if, if, you, if you fight this, you know, if you're willing to fight changing faith into ritual and changing lo love into lust, then, then you win, but you're going to disturb the peace of the world. Think about that. The world's always trying to reduce things to its lowest dominant denominator and then categorizing it. But... Life is a mess. You have to hear this. 
It's messy. It's like, it doesn't happen perfectly. And instead of one, two, three, four, five, six, you get one, seven, 13, eight, four, seven. You know what I mean? It's weird. But in that, what I want to say is the very story that we have here is indicative of that mess and of that beautiful formation of faith in our lives. God didn't come like, I'm here. He came in the form of a child in a family for the saving of the world. He came in the form of a child in a family for the proclamation of the world. And they had time to let that seed of faith, grace, love grow among them. Do you understand this? So it's not instant. The life you're living right now, even though you have things you want to instantly get to, it's a grace and a gift that it isn't instant. It's set in a family, in a village, in a relationship. It's set with, with kings and priests and shepherds and innkeepers. Isn't that awesome? Give yourself a pass. It's not going to have to happen tomorrow. This happens as we live it with God. He came to walk into our life to be with us as we attend to the tribulation. In this world, you will have tribulation. John 16, 33. Those words are not a warning. They're factual. And in that, I have overcome the world. That's the joy of Christmas. I'm stepping into it with time. We've got 30 years to work this out. 30 years for Mary and Joseph to grow in their faith and grow in their love. 30 years for John to proclaim the coming of the Messiah. Why, why would he do it any other way? He's saying this is the way it is. It's seed time and harvest. It's rhythms of grace. And when you need to attend to your life in the now. Remember I started out, God is with us. I love being in the present. I certainly appreciate, and there's nobody more, I don't think more here, that loves context, like knowing where I came from and where I'm going, but I, it's all for naught if I don't live in this moment right now. I do know I'm not an orphan. I do know, which I tell my sons, what do you, act like you're an orphan? You don't come from a family? You don't have plans? You don't have principles? Of course. But you live in the moment, and then certainly the trajectory is in the future, but we have to attend to right now. And God says we have time. Of course, we're filling our lamps with oil, and we're getting ready and live like he's going to come tomorrow. But in the same time, he knows the rhythms of our life. Let him settle into him. This is how he saved the world. He stepped in as a child, vulnerable. Vulnerable to the men that became his friends. Vulnerable to the rejection that he felt. Do you think Jesus didn't feel that hurt? Or that betrayal? Or that rejection? Or that frustration with him? Of course he did. He was human like you and I, but fully man, fully God, but also overcame those feelings or took them in, but had a greater love than them. Weren't you ever in a bad situation and totally hopeless and God steps in with a shaft of life and hope and it's greater than, it doesn't deny the situation in, you're in, but it's, it gives you hope that it's, he's greater than that situation. Do you wish you didn't have to suffer that? Yes. But the hope is we can, I can make that part of my of my, the expansion of my heart and the sharing of somebody else who goes through the same thing. And I wish I wouldn't limp, but you can, try, you can trust a man or a woman with a righteous limp. Come on. 
We only get about 85 or 90 Christmases. If you're lucky. Huh, Marsha? Back there in her 80s. Or in your 90s, Harold. The story is our everyday life. Would you agree with me? Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is giving. The very context of that is relationship, time, family, life. Intimacy and relationship and knowing one another is messy. There's a great amount of loss, but the rewards are amazing. Creativity and forming God in your life is like creation. Like when you create something, most people who write or create throw 90% of what they worked out, out out and keep the 10%. In our relationships, there's going to be a lot of forgiving, a lot of failure, a lot of listening and miscommunication. Not only with each other, but with God. Isn't that right? But he's not in a hurry. He's a family. He's a father you keep going back to and a love that you can trust that takes into account failure, miscommunication. So as we're practicing that with him, we get to apply it to one another. And that's the setting of the Christmas story. Now the angels showed up and it was glorious and the songs we sing are amazing. But the reality of him coming into the antagonistic world that we have, not only to show us a way, but to be with us at the same time, is magnificent and stunning. And in that, all of the loss, all the failures, although they are costly, the rewards of intimacy, closeness, knowing one another, loving each other, knowing God will never fail us, us becoming like him so we're steadfast in our love, loving well, those rewards are unfathomable. And the whole world will come to watch that as we live it. Stand up. Where are you today? Where are you in the middle of this holiday season? Are you Joseph with ruined promises and plans? Are you Zechariah with hopes and dreams that don't bring them up? Hurts too much. I look across across this room and see the testimonies of redemption and great cost. I know there's loss in children and marriages. There's heartbreak in relationships and separations. But you're still here because there's a hope. There's a light still shining that can say, even though, even though, You're still able, God. You're still willing. You still love me and make a way for me. Come on.
Father, we pray for your light that has no shadow of turning. There's nothing hidden in you. You're completely open. Your arms, your heart, all of heaven. Keep announcing to us today your goodwill toward men. Your Savior, your Son. For some brief moments this season, let all the tinsel and flash step aside and let your true light hit our hearts. How you've carried us all the way. How thankful we are. How better than your word you are. Your personhood, your warmth, your strength, your compassion. Nothing is stronger than you. For the chaos, God, we cry out and show us how to navigate. Like Joseph, he arose, he went, he turned, he listened, he acted. With obedience, with faith. Help us navigate the chaos in our life. Yes to certain things and no to other things. One step at a time, make our way through. Work, activities, but even more, the nuances of relationship, kindnesses, respect, genuine love between husbands and wives, fathers and children, mothers and children, children and parents, neighbors, work, friend, work, work colleagues, people that are in our life. Help us not to miss your illumination of them in our lives. For those dreams and things that we feel so alone or lost or have given up on, all of us, certain parts of our life, revisit your promises in our hearts. Help us to quietly, within our souls, silently, but with life, remember your words. Remember how we felt when we first heard them, the faith we had, the passion we have. Help our unbelief. What a great line. Help us believe again, not in denial, but in the darkness and the aloneness. God, take that away. Take that away. You're the best at doing that. Come stand beside us. Refresh us. There is still life. And your purposes will be accomplished through us. We give ourselves to you.
can put a hand on a shoulder or connect with somebody if it's appropriate. Let's just pray for each other. God, you're amazing. You, you are you, creator of the universe, the stunning world we live in, its rhythms and graces. Even greater, you know, the affairs of men's hearts. You dive right in and you're so good at setting the boundaries and dividing things and helping us bring order into a chaotic world. A forgotten world, you bring life. You're the king of resurrection. Gosh. All these things, may they be absolutely real as we connect to one another. Strengthen us as a family and a community. This is not a plastic faith. This is get down in the dirt and roll up your sleeves and work it out, faith, that brings life and makes it worth it. May this be true as we connect to one another. Help us be an encouragement to one another. Help us carry each other like you carry us. Help us breathe in this season and be in the moment. Thank you for your presence. Can you say amen like you mean it? It's quiet in here. Thanks. Thanks for the time. Have a great week. Now, Lord, bless you and keep you. He was able to present you faultless. This is out of Jude, which I love. He presents me faultless. That's a pretty big deal. <laughs> faultless before the king. May he keep you and bless you in Jesus' name. Have a great holiday season. The altar is open. If you need prayer, do not be shy. Come forward. We'd love to pray for you. All those tuning in, we pray you're wrecked wherever you are. In Jesus' name, in a good way. Amen. Merry Christmas to all of you.